The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Man Power Trip of Wrestling, your host JP John Paz. This week on Who Is, I have the second man in the booth. He is Dr. J himself, Mr. J, Michael P.S. Jargo. Jargo, what's going on? How you doing? What's going on, Paz? It's good to see you, my friend, as we sit here in the frozen tundra. You getting dumped on with snow yet? Over the weekend, we got uh, about a foot. About, about a foot. Yeah, just about a foot, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, we, we, we warmed up to like almost freezing and now it's back down to like, you know, 11 below zero. And it's just like, man, you can't, can it be March already? And today, a lot of the snow here is melting. It's only about 39, 38. So it's not terrible today. Is the big storm that's coming in, is is that going to end up clipping you too? I, I saw there's warnings out all the way from New Mexico to Maine. Uh, they're saying that we're definitely going to get something. At first, they were saying it was going to be some sort of nor'easter for us, but then... Mm-hmm. They're saying that we were going to get something, so I think maybe it's going more eastern and north, I guess. I hope, anyway. Jeez. Yeah, it's going just south of us here in the Hawkeye State, too. It sounds like the, the lower part of the state might get clipped, but it sounds like we dodged a bullet on this one. Shout out to everybody stuck in the stupid storm. Hmm. Crazy weather nowadays. But today on Who Is, we're going to be focusing on who is the best wrestler turned MMA fighter. Obviously, there's a a lot of guys to be talked about, a lot of guys to be listed. And we were kind of joking, saying there's definitely one guy that will not be mentioned as far as being who is the best. But we got to mention him anyway. C.M. Punk. Pro wrestler. He kind of lived a dream of his to to be an MMA fighter. Check it off the bucket list. You want to do it. He's just not going to be considered the best. uh, That's for sure. Those two losses were awful. The the losses were awful, but all right, if we're if we're gonna look at the business side of this thing, Puck yes. sold a lot of pay-per-views. Yeah. I mean, there is that, you know. So I mean, how did you feel about the punk thing when it happened? Because I mean, I was disappointed when he left. Punk was one of the big reasons that I got back into professional wrestling. And I felt like my interest in WWE kind of left with CM Punk. I was pumped to see him come back to AEW. I, I actually bought the punk fights when he fought in UFC and got his ass whipped by Mickey Gall, you know, like, but I was still interested in the guy. He got to do what he wanted. It didn't necessarily go how he wanted, but he still lived that dream. Like, how did you feel about the punk thing when it happened? I was always pro punk. 
I was definitely pro punk. You know, he's doing his thing. I just thought it was kind of ironic that he was saying like Batista comes in, the rock comes in and they take the main event spot. So he did the exact same thing in the UFC. He came in as a quote unquote star and the Hollywood guy, technically not really Hollywood, but the, the main mainstream guy. And he took a spot away from a guy on the main card and he got on the main card. So he kind of ironically did exactly what he didn't like that the stars were doing in WWE, which is all fine and good. But I just thought it was ironic that he said that. But to be fair, it was also the opening fight on the show. Like they knew this is not a main event fight. Right. Right. You know, so did, th- th- there is did. a little difference. He definitely had interest because I was I ordered I wouldn't have ordered the pay-per-view regardless. So I think they're too expensive. But since he was involved, it's like, OK, this is interesting. I'll bite. I'll do it. So, I mean, he got me involved. Not that I wouldn't have watched it maybe uh, by other means or maybe caught the highlights afterwards or whatever. But he got me involved that day and I was interested in seeing him fight. Didn't turn out that well for him. But to me, money generated. I think he did well. Buzz generated. I think he did well. But it was weird that he didn't do like the typical CM Punk stuff. It was Humble Punk. Yeah, Humble Punk. So it wasn't what Dana White wanted when he brought in CM Punk at all. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. I I guess I kind of wonder. Those fights were awful. And and that that that's to be fair. Right. Yeah. But. I also wonder what if punk would have started training when he was, you know, 22, 23, as opposed to like 36, like it was not good, but you could tell like he knew what he was doing. He just couldn't do it. You got to give props to him though, because how many guys would actually do that? You know what I mean? Right. Actually fight. And you're, and it's not like, okay. Oh, Mickey gall. He's actually pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> turns really out Mickey look- gall is like pretty legit. Yeah, yeah. I know. Forget the, who's the second guy. Eddie Jackson, where he fought second. It wasn't that great, but Mickey Gall is pretty good. So it's almost unfair. A guy that's been training for a while might just have an amateur record. It doesn't really have much of a pro record. Punk only trained, never fought, and gets thrown in there. And by the way, you're on the main card, and you're on UFC, and this is the big times under the big lights. I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people would want to do that. So props to him for even having the balls to do it. Yeah, completely agreed. Completely agreed. And I'm I'm happy to see him back in AEW now. Yeah. He's yeah. going to lose tonight, right? Uh, I hope so. I mean, I feel like Punk has I, to lose in Chicago to, to MJF. Yeah. I feel like to. he has to. Yep. It's just funny because if this was WWF, you know Punk would lose because nobody in their hometown ever does anything good. Hey, Orton, Royal Rumble, hometown. Eliminated right. in four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they it's like the curse of the hometown don't tell Vince McMahon where your hometown is that's the key well and it's funny too like just to go back into the Royal Rumble here for just a second when you actually look when Lesnar came in there's a whole bunch of baby faces in the ring like why wouldn't you just book a bunch of heels to be in the ring for Brock to come in and throw out like if you want me to be happy when Brock Lesnar wins don't eliminate all the guys that I like Shane McMahon maybe did not do a good job booking that match as it's coming out. That's a lot of people were unhappy with his booking of the match. Him and Jamie Noble, I guess, yeah. were the uh, the agent. Vince is the end all be all and has the final say, so it's got to go on Vince in the long run. But I guess yeah. him and Shane had a bit of a blow off. Well, it, not to quote your show. It, it sounds like, you know, Shane being removed from the company might be the first great decision that Vince McMahon has made in a very long time. <laughs> um, so CM Punk, as far as who is. He is definitely not the best. 0-2 record is absolutely terrible, terrible showings. Ballsy enough to do it. 
generated some money, generated some interest, check it off the bucket list. That's fine. Batista, on the other hand, does the same exact thing, except for, I wouldn't say dominates because he kind of gassed out, but he beats up this guy pretty good. And the guy, very experienced fighter, had like 40 fights under his belt. So it's not like he's fighting some people were saying can. You fight a guy with that much experience and you have no experience, it's pretty much like this guy should be able to beat you no matter what. I don't care how big you are, how strong you are. But no, he just manhandled the guy and beat the shit out of him. So again, another guy doing a bucket list thing, but lo and behold, Batista's pretty damn tough. And I Batista's another one of those guys that it's like, man, what if he would have like actually just went into MMA when he was right, you yeah. know? Yep. Might might have been, you know, a Brock Lesnar kind of figure, you know. Who knows? It's funny though, Batista and um, Punk have no athletic background as far as like Lesnar. Right. Lesnar was a, 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 a NCAA champion. He had this really good background, and and it's funny. Um, I was just watching an interview of Frank Mir, and they and I think it was Ariel Hawani possibly was saying like, "Hey, what did you think about Lesnar coming from the pro wrestling world?" He goes, "I ignored all that." He goes, "I was looking at his NCAA credentials because I didn't care that he was a pro wrestler." He goes, "I thought this guy was a badass." wrestler and that he's gonna just take me down at will and he's like i had to prepare for his wrestling so it's funny like the guys with an actual athletic background you skirt the wrestling stuff you focus in on like this guy is legit batista yeah. and punk not legit as far as an actual background batista's tough and i've heard stories of him you know beating the shit out of guys and blah 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 and maybe not booker t but other guys and and <laughs> but you know booker, booker t has a different story a different day but no athletic background as far as legit background yeah and which is kind of crazy when you look at dave batista like you you would think that he would have been like you know star football player yeah, amateur yeah. wrestler i mean the dude's yep. built like a brick shit yeah. house you know it's, I'm, I'm very curious what batista's career would have looked like if he would have went into professional fighting instead of professional wrestling could have been yeah. a, an interesting story because you're right he did look really really good I know you, we only got that glimpse, but you could tell if this guy was trained and younger, right. like 10, 20 years younger, like, wow, this guy would have been a beast because he, he had some heavy hands and he's a big boy. So yeah. any any heavyweight with big hands and, and you know, heavy hands. And plus he know. has that look too, right? Like, I mean, yep. Dana White would have loved to have had Dave Batista, you know, yep. circa, you know, 1999, 2000, 2001. Yep, for sure. Batista and, people, and Tito, hell yeah, sign yeah. me up. People forget, like, Shit, Batista didn't get into pro wrestling until he was 35. Imagine him when he was younger, what he looked right. like. You know what I mean? Like, shit. Oof. So, to me, I just want to mention Bam Bam Bigelow as well because he did have a fight. But it's so weird. It's like, okay, you never fought before, but you have such a big name. We're just going to put you in there with chemo. It's like, <laughs> I don't like. I don't really care how tough the guy is. Like, you would think, like, that's not, like, skill level equal. Like, I, I know Bigelow's right. huge and a monster, but chemo, heavyweight, legit fighter, kind of unfair just to me a little bit unfair for big well it, it's kind of like the the bart gun butterbean thing right yes yes you know where it's like yes. yeah you're, you're you're a big bad dude bart gun we yes. know that but you know butterbean's a freaking professional and had one of the heaviest set of hands that i think i've ever seen yep and it's funny butterbean always talks about this and he always says like man he should have just Instead of trying to box and stay in there, he should have just came at me wildly because it would have been unpredictable. Right. I wouldn't have been able to sit there and dial him up and knock him out right away. I would have had to realize, like, okay, how much power does this guy have? Where is he coming from? What's he doing? Like, I got you know, I got to protect myself so I wouldn't be able to charge up. As soon as he started boxing, I charged up the arm. And just, just done. And he said, he's like, man, that was one of the my best knockouts ever. Like, man, it was like scary almost. Yeah, yeah, you like a sack of shit, man. Just yeah. dropped him. 
And it's funny that so many people say it was almost like a punishment for Bart Gunn that he had to do that. But he was a legit, legit tough guy. He made my list. He was on there because he went to Japan. He did a bunch of MMA fights. Yeah. He would, he and he did pretty good. And Butterbean said he was very friendly with him. He would kind of follow his career. And he said, man, he goes, he's like, I know, like I had the one punch. I'm a professional boxer. He's not. He goes, but if this guy trained for his career, he goes, would have been pretty good. He goes, this guy's legit tough. And I was watching him knock out Bradshaw and the other big guys. Like this guy has a heavy hand. Like, yeah. damn. If he just knew what the hell he was doing. Yep. Yep. You know. So it's one of those things where like if you fought this guy in a bar fight or something, you're fucked. I mean, yep. like you're dead. But you're in the confines of the ring and there's rules and stuff. Eh, he, you know, different story. Well, it's like one guy that I ended up putting on my list and he's never even had a professional fight. He was supposed to have a professional fight and then his opponent backed out. And that's Kota Ibushi. Uh Kota Really? I- yeah. He was Kota- supposed to have a fight. Wow. K1 kickboxing. Wow. Yeah, and I you can see it inside of Ibushi's style that he's actually very well trained. I would love to see Ibushi. Yeah, I know he trains MMA. Yep. It, it, inside of that context, I would love to see it just to see how he would keep up with with that style, but especially kickboxing and K2, especially, you know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, K2 was actually a pretty big deal over in Japan. It never really caught on here in the States, but I would have loved to have seen Ibushi in a, a straight-up kickboxing Kind of like that oh, Tai yeah. Chi G1 match, except, you know, all the time. K1 was huge. And you they always would have that, you know, try to get like a big name. Like Butterbean yep. would be in it. And and who's on my list? And we'll talk about him in a little bit. But Bob Sapp, you know, he'd be in it and, and you know, stuff. So they definitely would have attractions to, to their to the kickboxing. Well, and you can bet Ibushi. Ibushi would have been a professional fighter if Inoki would have still been in charge when Ibushi was around. Right. What about... I know he's not on this list and he hasn't had a fight, but Daniel Bryan. I always hear stories of Frank Trigg and um, Frick, I forget who he was training with recently. He was a pro fighter. Oh, Joe Loazon. That he's they're like, wow, like forget punk. Like if this guy actually decided to do it, he would have been pretty good and pretty competitive. And that's funny. Frank Trigg was saying like, yeah, he's throwing me around a little bit. He's heavy. Like this was years ago, but you know, he's heavier than, than you think he is. And he's tough. And I was just always thinking, and I always heard stories that not, he was a bully, but that Bryan was a, is a shooter. Brian is a good one. Um, I hadn't even really thought about it, but yeah, it makes complete sense. And it, it kind of brings up the question as we look at inside of the world of professional wrestling right now, is there anybody that you would like to see make that jump that you would like to see in a professional fight that is a big enough name that would be like, Ooh, yeah, I, w- I actually could see that. Hmm. I don't think so. Besides Daniel Bryan and maybe like Samoa Joe, I don't know if I, if there's anybody I'd be interested in. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. intrigues me Ooh, just because yeah, of his submission. style. Yeah. And uh, the same thing with Jonathan Gresham, I think would I, yeah, the way yeah. that Gresham is built. I could see where he could, when you get him in there with some of those lightweights and whatnot, I think that could be really, really interesting if he actually got a hold of somebody. Just interesting to see, like, if the guy has hands or not, or you know how he is as boxing. Absolutely, because you got to just be able to navigate that, and even if you're not going to knock somebody out, then get to the submissions. You, yep. you got to just be able to take care of yourself and get submissions. Yeah, those are some good guys for sure. Would you put Anoki on this list? Would you count him or not? Technically, because there was no MMA back then, even though there kind of was the mixed rules thing with with Muhammad Ali. Well, I mean, Anoki in some circles is recognized as, you know, kind of the godfather of MMA. Like Anoki yep. had that vision yep. of what he wanted mixed martial arts to be. He just never really got to bring it to full fruition of what the vision that he had of it was. Like 
the Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki to, to sit down and watch that. It's really, really boring. It's, yeah. it's not at all what you would expect when you see Antonio Inoki versus Muhammad Ali, but that was kind of Inoki's initial vision of what MMA was going to be. It's funny, but everyone says boring fight, this and that. Not a lot of people realize this, but that actually hurt Ali's career going forward because all those Absolutely. light kicks. Yep. And he was saying all those light kicks and the flight back from, from Japan and stuff, like he was not developing blood clots, but like almost to that level where he was having a lot of leg issues and that flight didn't help. They almost were saying like, no, you should wait, let the leg heal, then fly. But I guess right. he kind of flew, he needed to fly back early. But apparently that leg gave him a lot of problems for the rest of his career. And you can tell it's, there's so much shoot to that because Ali seems really, really frustrated yeah. throughout the entire thing where he's like, yeah, like stand, bro, stand, stand up. up. Yeah. Let's do yeah. something, yeah. you know? And Anoki's yeah. like, no, I'm, I'm going to chop down the tree. Like that, that's his entire, I'm going to chop down the tree and you can't punch me if I'm laying flat on my back. And like the story of it is great, yep, but it's just not what I signed up to watch. You That's know. like literally Starcade 97 Hogan and Sting. It's like, oh, this buildup is freaking awesome. Right. Don't watch the actual match because it stinks. But the buildup to Anoki Ali is awesome. Yeah. And yeah. there's a great book by Josh Gross, uh, Ali versus Anoki. That, that's out there that I've read. I mean, good stuff there. But as far as this list, let's talk about some serious contenders. What about Brock Lesnar? We kind of mentioned it before, obviously. He's got to be very, very high up in the list. Former I UFC mean- heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah, when you look at the credentials and UFC heavyweight champion of the world is, you know, the first credential, it's like, eh, yeah, he's probably pretty high on the list. Yes. I don't think anybody expected Lesnar to be as good as he was, but people forget what a genetic freak Brock Lesnar is because inside of a pro wrestling context, we just see big muscle bound Brock Lesnar. But when you actually go watch those UFC fights, the power, the speed, the agility is just absolutely insane. I mean, and and I remember at the time talking about like WWE champions and it's like Brock Lesnar should be the champion for like the next 15 years because there's nobody that I can believe can beat this guy. Right. Like he's just such a genetic freak and the speed is what just kills me. And we don't really get to see it so much inside of a WWE context, but Brock is fast when he actually wants to go down for a go behind or, or a takedown. My God, you just, how do you stop the guy? It is pretty remarkable just to look at him and say, wow, what a freak, but he's such an athletic freak. You yes. Know, he's, he's huge. He had a cut weight to make 265. So, I mean, he's probably somewhere around 290 and he, and he can move like that and, Man, he's got those gigantic paws. So he's, you know, he's got heavy hands. Obviously, yeah. Randy Couture felt that. In I a think that's mean the, way. that was probably the biggest surprise because we all knew about the wrestling background, right? But it was yeah. a matter of, you know, can he throw hands? And it turns out Brock Lesnar could throw hands. And here's like the unfortunate thing: they didn't give him a lot of time to train. Like he had one match or one fight in Japan, and then he's in the UFC. But it's not like okay, let's build the guy up and let him train. No, he's in there with like Heath Herring and then Randy Couture and Frank Mir. It's like, holy shit, like guys, you ever hear of a slow build or letting the guy train? He was not ready. Like 
for that spot, if you look at how long he was in there. So that even shows you the athletic ability and how great of an athlete and how tough a guy he is. Cause technically he shouldn't even have been in that spot yet. I mean, he's way too young. He probably should have had oh, yeah. at least eight, 10 fights under his belt before the UFC. And they throw him in there after one. And, and you know, he's a huge draw for them. One of the biggest draws of all time for the UFC. Yeah. And it, for me, I really wonder what would the end of Brock Lesnar's MMA career have looked like if it wasn't for the diverticulitis? Like that hurt it, him too. Yep. If if Brock doesn't get sick, does he ever come back to professional wrestling or does he just stay in the UFC? Because, I mean, man, he was making a lot of money in the UFC, not doing a, very much at all. And if Brock would have been all in, I mean, the UFC thing came right after the NFL tryout too, where he yep. damn near made the Minnesota Vikings. So, I mean, Brock was kind of out looking for other opportunities. If Brock would have just been all in on UFC, my God, you might've been talking about one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Imagine that like as a, it almost as like a hobby, like I'll try for the NFL almost makes the right? team like, Oh, I'll do MMA fucking becomes UFC champion. It's like, wow, this guy is such a, like, what a, like, a outlier. Like, the outlier of all outliers. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'll do pro wrestling, be really good, quit, and then come back and be the best guy. <laughs> like, right. what the hell? Crazy. Well, and and to kind of segue to the next name that I've got on the list, Kurt Angle. Right? If, if Kurt Angle would have went into mixed martial arts, I think it kind of would have been the same thing as Brock Lesnar, right? But, I mean, yeah. just the the he won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. I mean, like that alone, that's going to put you pretty high on the list. And oh yeah, it turns out he was a pretty good professional wrestler too. But I I've always wondered what if angle would have went to like the UFC at that I time. I always wondered why he didn't. Right. Well, I mean, he was making pretty good coin with Vince too. And TNA when he went to TNA, supposedly he was the highest paid guy by, by far. Yeah. Yeah. And he also wasn't in a very good health space by the time he got to TNA as yeah. well. But like if he would have went to UFC instead of joining the WWF, like if, if you know the, the whole conversation with Kurt angle and it's like, you realize you're going to have to lose. Right. And Kurt's <laughs> like, no, I don't lose. And so I'm going to go yeah. fight competitively in the UFC instead of doing this pro wrestling yeah. thing. Yep. I, I've always wondered where Kurt would have ended up. Yep. And it's funny too. Like he had all these injuries, but then it's like, you're going to injure yourself probably further with pro wrestling, but he got addicted to it. And, you know, he just, yeah. he loved the business. Yeah. And it, it's, if he would have, cause MMA at that time was a very, very different beast than what we know it to be. Now, if all things would have been equal back then, I think Kurt angle might've went towards the uh, competitive fighting instead of pro wrestling. Yeah. He's another guy. It's like, wow. What if, yeah. You know, like, what if, so I'm surprised you didn't mention him first because he's your boy and you love this guy and he's probably number one on your list and number one in your heart. What about Minoru Suzuki? I mean, Minoru Suzuki, probably not the biggest name on the list, obviously, when you got names like Brock Lesnar. And I'm sure we'll talk about one of Suzuki's rivals here in, in just a little bit. Yep. But Suzuki, probably the most influential name on the list. I, as the king of Pancrase, and what Pancrase was, what it would we have the UFC at all if it wasn't for Pancrase and the way that Minoru Suzuki was presenting mixed martial arts? I don't know because to me that was very much the blueprint. Do you agree with that? I mean, I, I feel like he's yep. he's the godfather of MMA that you know people just don't talk about because Pancrase to me is the predecessor to everything that would become Pride, everything that would become UFC. 
hundred percent. You got to give him all the credit in the world. Him and another guy I have on my list, Funaki. Those yep. two guys are kind of like the two godfathers. And then obviously we'll talk about somebody else on the list, but and and his brother too. But um, there's a bunch of guys that are, that you can consider great. But it's like wow, Suzuki was a great fighter. And it's funny, same with Funaki. It's like their discipline was catch wrestling or pro wrestling yeah. when they come in. You know what I mean? They try to always give the guy the discipline. Oh, he's he's the amateur wrestler. Or, or oh, he's from karate. He's from kickboxing. He's from Muay Thai. He's from BJJ. So they always try to give a guy a discipline. Mineral Suzuki was like flat out like pro wrestling, you know? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a catch wrestler. And Funaki was a little bit of the same way, a little bit more striking with him. But I just love that Suzuki. It's like these guys that are doing legit fights, Wow, I guess pro wrestling these guys are pretty damn tough. Like they're yeah. legit. And Suzuki's one of those guys you kind of underline like legit badass fighter. Yeah, Suzuki 30 and 19 over the course of his MMA career. Um what 49 fights it just seems yeah, crazy. insane to me. And you're having a pro wrestling career in the middle of it. Right. And my favorite one, I don't know if you've ever seen this John Paz. Have you seen Jushin Thunder Liger versus Minoru Suzuki in, in Pancrase? Yes. I think, is that Liger's only it. real fight? It's his only real yeah. fight. And of course, he ends up losing to Minoru Suzuki. But I, it's really cool to see Jushin Liger in yeah, that kind right, of a context. Yeah. Yep. Very, very cool to see. And it was a good fight. It was actually a really good fight. Although I, I think Suzuki toyed with him for Yeah, I was gonna say he while. was trying to make it more competitive because you didn't want to kill like the 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 myth the, of Jushin myth, Liger. The aura, yep. yeah. Yep. So Su Suzuki very high up on the list. I mentioned Funaki. I would put Suzuki over him, even though I love Funaki. I think he's great. Um Boss Rudin actually said his toughest fight was against Funaki. Interesting. Interesting. And he was saying that he wanted to quit like a few times during the fight because he's like this freaking guy and not because he was killing him. It was because Funaki wouldn't give up. So he's like, he's like, I can't, I can't beat this guy. And he said the crowd was getting so behind him and he was getting so furious and he kept getting up, you know, the, the uh, Japanese uh, fighting spirit, the fighting, the Japanese fighting spirit. So he's like, wow, the crowd is really amping this guy. Up. So he goes, finally, he goes, I got a knee right to the face. Muay Thai knee just he goes and finally he wouldn't get up he goes I was like Phew. he goes I was literally going to quit because I didn't have any more energy to beat this guy <laughs> yeah yeah the, it's the Japanese culture and people don't understand like you know the the Japanese forearm spot where both guys just stand in the ring and yep. stand there and trade forearms inside of the Japanese culture it makes complete sense the funny thing is, I think I was listening to Disco and Conan. They were like, oh, Suzuki, who is this guy? Uh, oh, I'm not buying him legit tough. And like, oh, John Moxley. Moxley, who's like the biggest fake tough guy I've ever seen, is going up against a real tough guy. I was literally thinking, I was like, those, like, those guys know MMA. Like, they don't realize, like, this is the guy that used to beat up Frank. Uh, well, not Frank, really, but he used to beat up Ken Shamrock a lot. Like, one of the greatest of all time. Tapped they him out twice. Yeah, do they not like, realize? Shoot, tapped him out twice in legit fights for Pancrase. <laughs> so when he, I was like, "Wow, do these guys not realize like his background? He's a legit fighter who beat one of the greatest fighters of all time twice." Yeah, and crazy. I, I expect that from from Glenn. Yeah. I, I figured Conan would be like, "No, bro, you you don't understand," because I, Conan is such a historian. Yeah, but how do you I, not know that? Crazy. Yeah, that one that one kind of surprised me too. Love that show, by the way. Me too. Love those guys. Speaking of. 
Shamrock. Ken Shamrock, very, very, very high up on my list. A lot of people, which is funny, consider him an MMA fighter. He was trained in wrestling four years before MMA even started and before he got involved in it. So he's a pro wrestler trained, um, maybe fighting with the Nasty Boys too much uh, down there in North Carolina, but he's a trained pro wrestler who went into MMA. I always laugh when people don't know that, but I mean, Ken Shamrock got to be very high up on the list. Right behind Minoru Suzuki. Because Minoru Suzuki tapped him out twice. So right. I, how, how can I possibly put him above Minoru Suzuki, right? Um, and those fights, to go back and watch them, are just incredible. Yep. When, when you realize that I'm watching two professional wrestlers just have these incredible shoot fights, you know? And Shamrock is probably the first guy that I remember with the MMA background when he returned to pro wrestling, when he came into the WWF. That I was like, this dude's legit. And yeah. he had such an intensity to him that you couldn't tell. Like, it was like, there's an element of danger to Ken Shamrock, very much the same way there is to Brock Lesnar. Like, you know, if you do something jackassy to Brock Lesnar at any given moment in time, he could snap and destroy you. Look and at I, Braun Strowman. Remember when he hit him and he, oh, and he yeah. said, he goes slow the fuck down. He need him right in the face. Yep. Yeah. Yep very very uh it, it's Actually, scary didn't punch him in the face didn't he? yeah brock punched yeah. him because yeah. braun need brock and that's and, what that's what yep okay and perfect. brock came up with that one punch and you could just see braun Strowman's knees go out from under him and it's just yeah. like oh yeah brock's a legitimate badass yep shamrock always had that element of this dude could snap at any given moment in time and just destroy everybody and yep. there's nothing anybody could do about it except for minoru suzuki it's funny too because when he made his debut or re-debut in wrestling, but WWF debut, Vader was like, you know, I'm gonna stiff you, like almost giving him like a warning, like, hey, I'm gonna stiff right. you. You're probably gonna stiff me. We're gonna go back and forth. But it's funny that Vader was like thinking, like, okay, this guy is legit tough, legit dangerous. Let me just give him a heads up so he doesn't snap. And you know, maybe, maybe this thing might turn into a shoot. So right. great match though between those two. But it is funny to think like Vader was kind of weary of that. How high is Shamrock on your list of God? He should have been a bigger star. Very high. Top I, 10, he's easily. really yeah. high on my list yep. of that dude should have been the champion. Absolutely. But it's weird. It's like, okay, he should have. And, and even Austin at one point, not, not like for months, but there was like a month there where it's like, okay, he could use a good feud. Shamrock mm-hmm. is believable that he's in the corporation or whatever. Like you can give him a big feud in, in a main event. Even before that, there was teasing and rumors that he was going to be maybe WF champion. Maybe yeah. he was going to be Bret Hart. Like there was a point where it was very believable for him. Even if he's going to be champion for a month or something, like, it would have been believable and nobody would have batted an eye at it. Yeah. Not, not even a little bit. And it's kind of the same thing with Suzuki, right? Like most of the time Suzuki is just booked to, you know, yeah, he wins some, he loses some, he always ends up getting his heat back at the end of the night, but he, he's portraying a heel that everybody absolutely just loves Minoru Suzuki. Yep. But it takes all of about a week and a half to make him a legitimate heavyweight championship contender. Because if Suzuki decides that he wants to go after the championship, it's like, okay, Completely different scenario now. Yeah, a couple years ago when Okada, like it was literally like out of nowhere, boom, Suzuki's feuding with him. And I was like, oh, this is very believable. Okay, yeah. Even though, you know, they book him to lose most of the time. Shamrock was the same way in WWF at that time. Like it it only take about a week and a half to warm up Ken Shamrock because, oh, Shamrock decided that he wanted to go after the title now. Yep. He's legit, legit dude. And that intensity was just like second to none. 
What about his rival? What about Dan the Beast Severn? He's got to be high up on the list. Very, very high on the list. And Dan Severn is one of those names that I wish we would have gotten a different run for him on national television because there's so much of what Dan Severn did inside of the pro wrestling business that people just plain didn't see because it was just on a smaller platform. And by the time he got to WWF, the the industry was changing around Dan Severn. And I, I wish he would have gotten more of a professional wrestling run, but that dude was completely legit. And I, I think the way that he was handled inside of WWF for pro wrestling fans really kind of hurts the legacy of Dan Severn and what a legitimate badass that guy was. And it's funny, he's another guy where people don't realize he's a pro wrestler first that got into MMA. That's another mm-hmm. thing. I always find that intriguing. It's like, wow, people just think he was an MMA fighter that became a pro wrestler. No, it's the opposite. So another guy that legitimized pro wrestling, like Shamrock and him are the two guys to me that really legitimized it here in the States where it's like yep. these two tough, badass guys are pro wrestlers that were champions in MMA. They were not just champions. They were legends, all-time legends. So, wow, I guess pro wrestlers are pretty damn tough. And it was crazy because when they brought him into WWF, they just treated him like a mid-carter, like the entire time that he was there. And it was because he, if he would have gotten there just two, three years earlier, he would have been such a bigger deal. But by the time he finally signs with WWF, it's, you know, Shawn Michaels is rising to the main event and Brett the Hitman Hart is rising to the main event. And it's the the personalities and the characters had really taken over the wrestling aspect, whereas Dan Severn throughout the 80s and those early 90s, what he could do inside of pro wrestling, it just got lost in translation by the time he made it to Monday Night Raw with Jim Cornette. To me, I've always heard rumors, and I think he's even talked about it, that they were looking to do something different with his character. Like Vince didn't really know what to do with him because, you know, it's kind of like the plain Jane, but his whole character is he's Dan Severn. You know what I mean? Like Vince kind of right. wasn't, wasn't getting that. wasn't understanding that the guy had all the cachet in the world, but I heard, and I don't know if this is true, but this is hilarious if it's true. So Russo was like, Oh, his nickname is Dan, the beast. He, sign of the beast why don't we put him with the undertaker put 666 on him and he could be the sign of the beast <laughs> i don't know if that's true or not this sounds like a russo idea but it I was totally like, sounds like a russo idea but i was like god i hope not so i guess he didn't really understand who he was either and thank god that never happened imagine that the sign of the beast 666 dan severin or whatever like oh would have been awful that's that's like a laugher severin had over a hundred wins insane that first of all they I mean, fought a hundred times this guy's got a hundred wins nuts i yeah i can't even imagine can't even imagine and he's still in good shape he was just posting videos of him working out and stuff the other day i was like yeah, he looks great you, like how do you even are you even a walk after that well in the, the same thing with shamrock i mean he, he looks a little bit al bundy-ish in the face but i mean like physically that dude looks yeah. great yeah he looked great crazy these guys man yeah these physical monsters so another guy that you probably love, and we've talked about him before in the show, we're about Nobuhiko Takada. I know he didn't really have that great an MMA run, but he was the biggest draw for Pride, which was the biggest uh, MMA organization of all time. And him and Hicks and Gracie drew two gigantic crowds, and he was over like Rover. Legit tough guy. 
and his matches with Vader and UWFI kind of showed you this guy is legit tough, and obviously he, he is a shooter. But what do you think about Takata, who trained a lot of great guys as well? I think the thing with Takata is he never he wasn't around for the boom of MMA and what would come out of UFC. Like it, it was just he was before that, and even Pride, I feel like isn't looked back on with nearly as much love as it probably should be. Yeah. Uh, and, and the same thing with pain craze, which very rarely even seems to come up inside of conversations. Uh, I always liked the style inside of pride more than I ever did inside of UFC. I, it's just, Me it, too. it UFC just can be very boring. Yeah. It felt very, very different. Like pride. It felt like there was a lot more action going on inside of pride and i i feel like if takata would have been around more for the boom if he would have gotten more on american pay-per-view i think he could have been a much bigger name which would have pushed him up the list even further definitely so he's one of those guys where it's like okay his record's not that great had the more coleman controversy where coleman obviously uh took a dive to make takata look good but takata was such a big draw and he was their money guy. They didn't want to take any chances. So just yep. really interesting just the, the way it worked out. But when he would come out for Pride, even when he was done, and he'd come out in the garbs and stuff, and he'd do the the drums and everything, I mean, he'd get those crowds, like, hyped. He was over, like, Rover. I mean, those Japanese fans loved him. Yeah, I kind of feel like Pride was WCW and UFC was WWE. And in both cases, I feel like the wrong side won the war. Yeah. Yep. But Pride, they definitely had the sports entertainment value. The announcers oh, were great. Yeah. The music, the lighting shows. I mean, the entrances, they were just epic stuff. There. Yeah. UFC is just boring as fuck. Anybody who's never seen a Pride show, please go over to YouTube and just go down the rabbit hole for a couple of hours because, yeah. man, Maybe. is it fun to watch. Even the entrances, you literally, because some, mm -hmm. some of them, they'll just have like Pride, whatever entrances and you just watch them yep you love fun it. stuff awesome. i mean it's sports entertainment personified yep they knew what they were doing over there yep so maybe the number one guy on my list i gotta think about it though there's a couple guys that rank really high takata student and somebody that absolutely shocked the world many times over and maybe the best mma fighter of all time kazushi sakuraba where's he ranking uh, he's got to be very, very high. I mean, you can't have these conversations without a lot of these Japanese names that really paved the way for what we would come to know as mixed martial arts inside of the States. Sakuraba is one of those names that even if you've never seen a fight, you just, you know, the name because of the legend of Sakuraba. And it makes sense because when you go back and you watch the stuff, Right. Like you wonder how these guys would translate into a modern day context. And Sakuraba is one of those guys that it's just like, yeah, he, he would still be a beast even in 2022, like stylistically, everything just lines up. It's just a shame that we never got to see it on a broader stage, because when you're paving the way, when you're making the roads, you don't get all the headlines. You don't get all the folklore. You just become this legend and people know the name, even though they just never saw the fights. Not to make any excuses for him, but 
he's about 170 and he would fight heavyweight consistently and light heavyweight yeah. consistently. So he always fought out of weight class, but somehow still can be rampage Jackson and all these guys and just become an absolute legend and fight all these guys. Vanderlei silver three times, even though Vanderlei outweighed him by like 50 pounds. I mean, he just would fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. He didn't care. He was tough as hell, tough as nails. He probably had so many injuries too. That hurt him towards the end of his career. He kept fighting. You could tell he, he was all literally taped up and bandaged up. So it was one of those things where like, man, he probably should have a better record and, and a better resume, but because he kept fighting when he was injured and fighting when he was too old and all this other stuff kind of hurt him and fighting out of his weight class definitely caught up with him and stuff. But when he was in his prime doing his thing, it was like the weight class, it didn't matter. He was so great. And he just completely destroyed the illusion of the Gracie's, the Gracie hunter, yeah. the Gracie killer, hoist Gracie, the UFC legend was undefeated in UFC. He beat Shamrock, he beat Severn, did all this other stuff. All of a sudden he faces a guy, his own size, who's just this Japanese wrestler who's Takata's student who Hickson, yep. his older brother, just destroyed Takata. So Hoist is going to go in there. Oh, he's going to kill Sakuraba. He's going to Takata's student who my brother just killed. Sakuraba and him have an hour-long fight, which is another reason that killed his career. And yep. you don't even realize it, but that really hurt him. Even when he advanced in the tournament, he couldn't continue on because he couldn't get off the stool. So, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, holy shit, that killed you. You're fighting an hour and 15 minutes. It's going to catch up with you. That day, later on, I mean, it, it caught up with him. And he killed Hoist Gracie. If that went three rounds, he would have won unanimous. I mean, he embarrassed him. I feel fight. like, is he the reason a lot of the rules that we have, like we were talking before we started recording, that one of the reasons that I can't get into MMA is because the guys just don't fight often enough. Yeah. Is it because of guys like Sakuraba and what he did that the rules are the way that they are is like, is he the reason why guys only fight once, twice a year? Is he the reason that there's rounds now inside of UFC rather than just ringing the bell and letting them go? Like it, I feel like his career and the path that he went down while making him a legend is also kind of what killed his career. Yeah, it was almost like he was too tough for his own good. Like somebody should have been like, all right, let's not have hour long fights with the crazy. Right. And like, not that I think if, if he goes for the finish, you you might expose yourself, which a lot of guys made that mistake. So it's like, all right, I'll just fuck with Hoist Gracie and I'll just beat the shit out of him for an hour. But I mean, that caught up with him. I mean, it was a great, great right. fight, but, it, but he controlled the whole thing. And even afterwards, Helio Gracie, his father, even like bowed to him, like saying like, wow, this guy is great. Like, holy shit. Like this Japanese small guy, to be my legendary son like like wow like yeah. holy moly like this he's he's legit kamikaze you bet then he uh he destroys hoyler grace he breaks henzo gracie's arm he beats another gracie i mean he he destroyed the myth of the whole family and he made it look easy so it's like shit like ufc was having problems with these guys <laughs> like yeah. he's got no problem kicking their ass like fuck like and it's just all the guys he beat is just unbelievable. And all the guys he fought is just unbelievable. Just crazy. And pride had the best fighters in the world, too, at that point. So, I mean, he's going through everybody. It's just crazy to think, like, wait, this is the guy from UWFI. He's right. pro literally, it says he's a pro wrestler. Like, that's his thing. Like, that's his background. And it's funny. I was talking to Josh Barnett a while ago about it. He goes, it's like the smart guys knew it's like he's a pro wrestler. Yes, but he had an amateur background like he's legit. And he goes his background of, of uh, Brazilian, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is just as good as like the Gracie and the other guys. Like he's better on the ground than, than these guys that are from Brazil and stuff. So he's like he's like the smart guys knew 
like keep it standing with him, like certain things you don't want to do. Like he'll wrestle you to death and he'll submit you. Right. He was dangerous. Are you surprised that there's not more Japanese guys on the professional fighting scene these days? Like with yes. all that said, is is we talk yes. about these guys and it's like, yeah. I'm thinking about the big stars inside of the world of MMA today. And I, God, when's the last time that there was a big Japanese star? It's crazy. And this guy, Horiguchi, who's like 135 and he was um, pretty dominant. He just, he and he was dominating his fight too, but he got injured and he was fighting Sergio Pettis. And the guy had one of the craziest knockouts ever and knocked him out. But it was almost like, and he, I think his record was 29 and three or something, something amazing. Wow. But he, even him, they were pumping him up as the best Japanese fighter. And he kind of had a, a fluky loss where he was dominating, but then he gets KO'd. So it's like, okay, you got to wipe him out of the conversation. After right. he you know went on a run, he was the Bellator bantamweight champion. And then he gave up the title and he almost won it back. Literally just vacated for injury, but he, he almost came. He was, um, the rising bantamweight champion so he was one of the guys that they were considering as like the next great japanese fighter but for a while it's just, just was like mma died over there nuts yeah it, it's kind of crazy you brought up josh barnett I'm, i assume josh is on your list he's got a count but it's he's so interesting because technically he was really like a pro wrestler beforehand or he considers himself a catch wrestler and i would have him high up on my list but it's one of those things where he kind of was more of an mma guy who mm -hmm. just happened to be the catch wrestler. You know what I mean? He wasn't really like Shamrock where he was definitely pro wrestler. He kind of almost got into pro wrestling later, but he definitely has to be considered. And he is one of the guys that I kind of go the other way where it's like, we, we talk about a lot of these guys as professional wrestlers. What if they would have went all in on UFC mixed martial arts when they were younger? What if Josh Barnett would have went all in on professional wrestling? Because watching josh barnett in a professional wrestling ring is awesome like i i love watching yeah, it awesome. like it just stylistically i thought everything that he did translated so well to professional wrestling i almost wish he would have done more pro wrestling rather than mixed martial arts me too he's so good at pro wrestling they had this big showcase years ago and they had like mma and they had mm -hmm. all these different disciplines they had boxing kickboxing muay thai i mean they had everything and then it was like let's have a pro wrestling match and he was in it and it was awesome yeah. And I love blood sport, like him yes. bringing blood sport yep. to life. Um, I, that is one of the coolest shows to look forward to over the course of the year. And yep. I, I would love to see more of it, but we have to keep the same quality that it is now because I love that underground fight club kind of feel that blood sport has to it. Definitely. Now, what about the current WWE World Heavyweight Champion? What about Bobby Lashley? I know his record is its kind of like, you know, he may have fought some cans in there. I and mean, his record is great, 15-2. and two, But went, went years undefeated. He did beat some legit MMA guys. He was one of those guys where he looks like a million dollars. He tended to gas out a little bit, which caused one of his losses. But it's one of those things where it's like, man, what a, another freak athlete. Yeah, and Lashley is one of those guys that – it would have been interesting to see him fight better competition. Yes. You know, yes. It, but much like Lesnar, Lashley is such a genetic freak that it seemed like he was never all in on mixed martial arts, but he was yes. also never all in on professional wrestling. He was never all in on the bodybuilding. Like if he would have just went all in on one discipline, what could he have actually been? Um, 
I think Lashley is fantastic. I'm very happy that this whole thing with MVP, the last run that he had in impact wrestling that we're getting to see that side of Bobby Lashley, because for years it just felt like he was the guy with all this untapped potential that just never really brought it all to the forefront. And now I'm, I'm glad to see him getting that opportunity. He's really high on my list. I just wish that we could have seen, like, could you imagine like Lashley Lesnar inside a UFC, like, you know, yeah. 2004, 2005, put those two guys on a poster. My God, it would have been huge business, but Lashley was kind of doing the Bellator thing and the TNA thing. And it was always, people don't want to call him Lesnar light, but that was kind of the way that Lashley always presented himself. Like he was always in that. He was the, the big fish in the small pond always. And he would never go to the big pond. Now it's great to see him in the big pond of the WWE and thriving. Yeah, I wonder if he was not in Bellator, if he was in UFC and like he had better competition. I wonder just yep. just to test himself, I wonder where he would have been. Because he, you know, he was pretty good, but it was almost like he was so jacked up. Sometimes he'd get gassed out quickly. But he was definitely a, a, a world class wrestler where he could literally just grab the guy, take him down, hold him down for however long he wanted. It was just about him finishing guys and, and you know. Stuff like that. He would have been Mike Tyson, but in an MMA context, you know, like when you go back and you watch that heyday of Mike Tyson, you know, if if somebody could have taken Tyson to the seventh or eighth round, he probably would have gassed out because he was just a straight puncher. The problem was you didn't make it that damn far. Yep. Yep. Hey. That's very true. And and with him, he I, and he's way too old now to get back into him. He's 45 oh, yeah. years old. But it's one of those things where you're like, man, imagine him in his prime. Like, I wonder how it would have worked. Well, he would have done because he could probably take anybody down if he wanted to. You know what yeah. I mean? He's a big boy. Yeah. And it, it was just he never went all in on yep. anything. Yep. What about Jake Hager? I know he's obviously not going to be high on the list, but he does have a 3-0 record in MMA. Yeah. Hager absolutely makes my list. Um, but again, it's it's kind of that lesser competition and all the things that we say about Bobby Lashley and how he was never all in and all of the, the unrealized potential like Jake Hager, Jack Swagger, I feel like he should have been a WrestleMania main eventer for 15 years. I mean, look at the freaking guy, look at the talent level. And he could have very easily been Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. but he was just never all in. What about Alberto? Del Rio, who actually fought Miracle Crocop with his mascot as Dos Caras Jr. Yeah, I Del Rio probably should be higher on the list, right? Like, because Del Rio is a legitimate badass. Yeah. I think there's just there's so much of Alberto Del Rio that we have learned over the course of the years. Um, there was the WWE booking, there's the the drug allegations, the domestic abuse allegations, you know, like you just you feel dirty talking about alberto del rio but he was actually pretty goddamn legit down in mexico before he ever made it to the wwe and since he left the wwe i mean he launched his own mma promotion down there in mexico so i mean del rio big name just not really a name that we associate with mma inside of our little bubble he's for crow cops or tito ortiz i mean he's he's tough tough as nails yeah. Pretty good record, too. I think he's 9-5 or 9-6. I mean, it's not bad. You would have thought the Tito thing would have been a bigger deal, right? Should have been. Yep. You know? And Tito's one of the guys that I wish went the other way. Like, I wish Tito would have went into pro wrestling. I think Tito would have been a great pro wrestler. 
it's weird. Like when he went to TNA and he was the referee, like I was like, oh, they're going to scoop him up. He's going to be a wrestler. He's going to be awesome. He's going to be this and that. It just didn't pan out for some reason. It didn't work, but you would think he would be awesome at it. Yeah. Cause I mean, he was like the most sports entertainment MMA guy that you've ever seen in your life. It was almost like he got it more than the other guys as far as like you got to yep. uh, sell the fight. Yep, absolutely. The, the the first MMA heel. And like one of the first guys that could cut really good promos. Yeah, yeah. And the whole ultimate fighter thing with him and Shamrock yep, really awesome. elevated both of those guys. Yes. And he definitely got a good rub from being Shamrock. And like everyone's like, I hate this guy. You know what I mean? He yeah. was perfect. He was a great heel. Shinsuke. Nakamura three and one with one, no decision. Uh, Nakamura is one of those guys that people in the West are probably like, wait, not Nakamura was an MMA fighter. Yeah. And a, and a pretty damn good one. Uh, but it's weird to watch Nakamura's MMA fights. None of that translates into his pro wrestling. Like maybe with the exception of like, you know, a kick, to the leg here or there like you don't see any of the mma stuff inside of nakamura's offense inside of the pro wrestling ring it's crazy to me like when you watch somebody like a minoru suzuki or a ken shamrock a kurt angle you see that influence with nakamura it's two completely different presentations it is kind of weird that he doesn't do that, and he has that background. I was just talking to Seth Petruzzelli, who was doing the NXT striking, and he was saying uh, Nakamura was like his best student when he was down in Oh, NXT. I believe it. Yeah, I absolutely and, believe it. And I said, did you know? He said, yeah, I knew his background. He's a legit fighter. He goes, so it was very easy to train with him. Yeah, yeah. And Nakamura's striking looks great. But yes. it, you would expect that he would incorporate a bit more of that MMA style into his offense. And we just don't see even in Japan. We didn't see it. Maybe a triangle every once in a while. And that's about it. I feel like your boy Shibata did, but for some reason didn't really translate to MMA. Like his record isn't that great compared to like what you would think because he's tough. He obviously fight. And and I know some of the level of competition, they put him in there against pretty good MMA guys, but if you would figure his record might've been a little better. I feel like the problem with Shibata is to watch any of his fights, it never felt like he was trying to win them. Like it, mm. every, everything with Shibata felt like an exhibition. Like, mm. yeah, I probably could have won that fight, but I decided that, you know, I wanted to do this instead. You know, like he just enjoys the art of grappling and mixed martial arts all the way around. Yep. And I could beat you in three minutes, but, you know, I would rather, you know, fight you for 12 minutes and, oh, crap, you caught me. You know, like, it's so weird because Shibata is just a very interesting case study all the way around, like, psychologically. Like, even his promos, like, they'll they'll build up this great, like, angle where Shibata's finally going to speak. And he'll come out and he'll be like, I'm alive, and that is all. And throw down the microphone and leave. Like he is just such an interesting personality. It seems like he, he really, really just enjoys the art of fighting. What about old Ironhead himself, Fujita, who actually almost knocked out Fedor, the greatest heavyweight of all time, maybe the greatest fighter of all time. So Fujita, legit tough guy. And he, I mean, he'd fight over him, he'd fight anybody. And it's funny that you bring up Ironhead because most of those fights are he just keeps getting his ass kicked and just keeps on coming and coming yeah. and coming. It's like it's Tomohiro Ishii in an MMA context. Yep. 
and it, it, that Japanese fighting spirit, man, take an ass whipping. And then if you could just catch somebody and that was, that was his thing, you know, just, yeah, you can punch me in the face, but it ain't going to stop me. He's funny. He's one of the guys, those guys were like, wow, shouldn't he just do MMA? You know what I mean? Like pro yeah. wrestling is great. And obviously, but it's like, wow, this guy's got a hard head. He hits pretty damn hard. Like you would think he, he was like a little wrestler, you know, you would think like, wow, he should do MMA full time. But yeah. you know, obviously he was a IWGP champion. I mean, legendary wrestling career, but it's just funny that he didn't focus more just on MMA. Yep. Absolutely. Completely agreed. And maybe my favorite guy on the list. Maybe, maybe, well, Sakurawa may be my favorite, but what about Bob Sapp? And Bob Sapp, I, I wish more people recognized his damn pro wrestling career. Yeah, like Bob too. Sapp was, a, he was a great fighter and I love yeah. watching Bob Sapp fights, but before he go, started taking dives, right. But to go back when he was in the middle of his new Japan run, his new Japan run is impressive as hell. Yeah. I mean, and those matches should be much bigger deals than they were, but Everything is overshadowed by the dives. Yep. And it's nuts to think like he literally, I interviewed him before. He literally said like, ah, because he got so famous. Like yep. from, okay. He did wrestling. Then he did the kickboxing and he beat Ernesto who's twice in a row. Who's one of the greatest kickboxers of all time. I mean, he's like dominating. He's beating guys. It's crazy as hell. And then all of a sudden video games, commercials, TV shows, yep. all this game shows, all this stuff. He became way too popular. He was worth way too much money. And it's like, eh, I don't need this fighting anymore. So the guy who was training him, this guy, Sam Greco, who also did pro wrestling, legendary kickboxer was like, if you're not going to like fight legit anymore, I'm not training anymore. And then he just, you know, he just started taking dives, just, just started doing it for the money. But yep. man, he almost beat big nog and MMA and pride. I mean, he really they almost should have won that fight just crazy to think like wow this guy was almost like a kickboxing champion mma champion and the iwgp world heavyweight champion yeah and he's always at oh yeah what about bob sap he's one of the guys too obviously uh, different skin color but he's lesnar <laughs> oh yeah I mean? he, he, he's lesnar but bigger yeah absolutely yeah it just the athleticism of watching bob's app is just yeah. absolutely incredible He's a freak of nature. Like, how could you yep. be that big and move like that? It's like I, nuts. Yeah, it doesn't make it's sense. Crazy. Just some other guys, just to throw them out there that also did some uh, MMA. Sylvester Turkai, believe it or not, the Giant Silva, Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman, Sean O'Hare, who was uh, could have been great. I think if he focused on MMA, could have been Agreed. great. Freak athlete. Um, I kind of put a question mark next to it. Daniel Pewter, because kind of. MMA first wrestling, but it's kind of, I don't know, he kind of was around doing both more, at the same time. Yeah, more special attraction to me. Yeah. Um, Yuji Nagata did yeah. some MMA. Yeah. Tom Howard, famous uh, trainer, did some MMA. Had a bunch of losses. It's funny, I was looking at his record and a bunch of wins because I've interviewed, or not interviewed him, but I know somebody that interviewed him. I was doing the producing and they were talking about the fights and all these fights he won and what, they weren't on his record. So I feel like that needs to be corrected. But, um, He's definitely on it. Thunder Rosa, who recently yeah. got into the MMA world. And then one of my favorites, Minowa Man. There's, you brought up Nagata. There's a lot of the New Japan talent from that generation. Ogawa, too, I forgot to mention. He, he did that, too. Yeah, th there was a lot of them from that generation that were getting stuck into legitimate MMA fights that they yep. had absolutely no business being in. Yep. And it really damaged Japanese professional wrestling for about 10, because 15, 20 years. They had such a name. You can't just have them fight 
jobbers and have right. them. You have to fight big names. So Eugene Gata has to fight Fedor, unfortunately, and get destroyed. Yeah. Just yeah, just absolutely murdered. There's there's one name that we haven't mentioned, Paz, that I'm who, I'm surprised who, that you didn't bring up. Who do we? Bro. Matt Riddle, yeah. Matt Riddle, yeah. eight and three with two no decisions in his MMA career. Although Matt Riddle would tell you that he's ten and three. Well, it should be, yeah. 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 That's the, the, the weed thing. So I mean, come on. Yeah, those two no decisions, they, they were absolutely wins for Matt Riddle. Yep. Yep. Matt Riddle could have been a huge UFC star if, you know, he wasn't Matt Riddle. Yep. And I feel this kind of the same way about the WWE. Like, I feel like Matt Riddle could be a huge WWE star, but... <laughs> if not for WWE, yeah. He's Matt Riddle. Like, I, I, yeah. I feel like Vince would be enamored with Matt Riddle, and then at a certain point, he's just going to become annoyed by Matt Riddle. So who is the best wrestler to be an MMA fighter? It's really, really difficult for me to say anybody other than Brock Lesnar. I mean, when you figure in the the qualifications, the list of accomplishments, the championships, the pay-per-view buys, the legend that is, I've got to go with the Beast Incarnate. I'm going to go with, even though I love Shamrock, love Severin, love Minoru Suzuki and Brock. I'm going to go with Kazushi Sakuraba, the legend himself, the Gracie Hunter, the Gracie Killer, the IQ wrestler. Got to go Sakuraba. He is a god. Man, when a pro wrestler came in to Japan and to Pride and you'd think that the Gracies were going to kill him, you'd think that pro wrestling was a joke, he turned that shit right around. And I'm like, goddamn, pro wrestling is legit. And it's a legit discipline. So pretty awesome uh, for Sakuraba. And what a career. So let's head towards the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. What do you got? Social media at notjargo, michaeljargo.com, destinopod.com. If I do another episode of Destino, there, there's, I'm very, very busy and I'm trying to organize things and I just don't have time to do a Destino podcast right now. So, but I, I'm sure at some point it will be back just, kind of crazy things going in around the Jargo home while we uh, kind of figure out what we're, what we're going to be doing here and where we're going to be at, you know, three, four months from now. So nice. Good times. Good stuff. Thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you, Jargo. See you right back here next week for an edition of who is see you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz power trip production in conjunction with the two man power trip of wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies, brother. <laughs>